1: Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. Today, SI's Brian Strauss joins me to talk about USA 1, Paraguay 0, about our time spent this week around the Mexico and Iceland national teams, and about the LA Galaxy signing of Zlatan Ibrahimovic ahead of this Saturday's inaugural showdown between LA and LAFC. Onward! Let's bring in Brian Strauss now who is back from his travels all over the North American continent. He's home in DC for just about an hour or so, but lots been
0: going on, my man. How are you? I'm okay. I'm sick again. Um, (laughs) so I'm sorry to all our listeners. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not as effective or efficient with the Purell as you are. Um, I
1: I haven't gotten sick all winter, by the way. I just want that to be known.
0: I usually don't get sick. I, this has just been really messed up and, um, and I have no clean clothes. Uh, (laughs) But otherwise, uh, I'm glad to be home. I was I was away for nine days. Um, This is the start, right? I mean, I kept thinking while I was when I was tired or frustrated or annoyed, which is, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's like 98 percent of the time. um, I was thinking this is the start of the World Cup, right? I mean, this is what I was on the road for. And and it's we're, we're sort of training in our own way for the for the grind of the World Cup. Um, preparing and and figuring out what we're going to write and what we're going to cover and getting to know the people we need to get to know absent uh, the U.S. in the tournament. And so that's what it was about. And uh, as soon as I'm done with you, I'm going to sleep for two days.
1: I will say this. You were looking forward to getting on the road, uh, and you certainly did that. You ended up going to the Bay Area where you spent time in San Jose with the Mexican national team. Uh, you spent time after that, after going on a red-eye flight to North Carolina uh, with the U.S. team and its friendly against Paraguay. Why don't we start there? USA 1, Paraguay 0. Um, what did you make of it?
0: It was, it was a strange night because, I mean, you're... you you know the the instinct is to, and I've seen a lot of this on on Twitter. The instinct is to analyze, is to wonder how this guy's you know connecting with and 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 playing with uh, you know a partner. How do Tyler Adams and 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 Will Trapp, you know read each other? Um, why isn't Tim Weah playing more? You know, and you you know, how's the center back pairing look? And you and you sort of instinctively look at the minutia, but then you know you step back and you're like, wow, like. I'm in Cary, North Carolina, watching the U.S. <laughs> national team filled with guys half my age, um, two months out of the World Cup, playing in a minor league stadium against I mean, it was, it was sobering. And then you realize, oh, there's, you know, 90 plus thousand people in Dallas watching two teams that are getting ready to go to the World Cup. Um, you know, there's a game, obviously, near you at Red Bull Arena between two other teams getting ready to go to the World Cup. So the, the instinct to sort of analyze and, and, and evaluate uh, was mitigated somewhat by like the, wow, holy shit, this is not where we expected to be a couple minutes, a couple months before the World Cup. In, uh nothing wrong with carry North Carolina, just not where I expected the US to be playing in those circumstances uh, this month. Yeah, by
1: the way, we had that interview with me and Bob Bradley the other day that posted before it started, he asked if explicit language was allowed and i told him that at least once every podcast with you you you're guaranteed to drop a four-letter word so thank you for doing that once again amazingly we still have a clean lyrics um insignia on apple podcast next to what
0: did uh was bob okay with that or did he does he
1: he Whatever. dropped a, he dropped a couple uh four letter words during the bro- uh, podcast, okay. which I thought was okay. terrific. I, yeah, I no, highly he's, encourage that.
0: He's, he's salty like I am, and I uh, but I but I also I don't know like I don't know maybe you said well, Strauss curses a lot, and he said who's that? <laughs> he did not say that.
1: Probably, um, yeah. I watched the U.S. game against Paraguay. Um, you know, I, I'm excited about Tyler Adams. I think. People should be excited. He's not a finished product at age 19, but I think he could become a very, very good player. And I think we are seeing with the Red Bulls and with the U.S. team that he really is promising. Um, in terms of Dave Sarakin and the lineup that he put out there, I guess a question I have for you is, what do you think Dave Sarakin is coaching for here? Is he coaching to try and get results and get a job in the pro game is does he think he has a chance to get the u.s job uh, why is he being a little conservative with this stuff
0: i don't know what I, I don't know if he thinks he has a chance he wants it i mean that's i know that um i don't know what he he behind closed doors uh believes his chances are we're still sort of waiting on this gm thing to kind <laughs> of be fleshed out I someday talked about- I talked to a couple of people in North Carolina. who are still trying to figure out what the hell it is. Uh, <laughs> Aren't we all? You know, and, and yeah, you've covered and you've, and you've written on this, that, that, you know, the, the, the definition and the parameters and the scope of the job um, may be less um, than some big names and big guns might be interested in. Nobody and wants it. Still seems to be the case. Um, so that's still being talked about behind the scenes. But um, I think here, here's my optimist's view on it. That, What Dave is trying to do is introduce a whole new generation of players, a whole bunch of young guys into what the national team is about. And part of what the national team is about, no matter who the coach is, is a meritocracy where, you know, the guys who earn it play. The guys who are playing well stay in the game. We play to win the game. We create a culture where, you know, things are, you know, you know. Yes, it's a weird time. Yes, there's nothing to be lost by, you know, going guns blazing and putting all the really, really young, exciting kids, you know, way on Andrew Carlton and and Josh Sargent and just throw them out there and see what happens. Um, But that's not how a national team tends to work, right? That's not what happens when the games matter. So I, I get it in a way. I mean, when the games matter, you don't want that to be the first time. You've been in this kind of environment where all of the work and training and the attention to detail and the attention to sort of building some kind of tactical foundation, some kind of repetition and predictability, which is so important in a national team um, that, you know, that you don't want to just show up at camp and throw shit at a wall. That's what we that's what happened for five years. And look where it got us. So he's trying to establish a framework. This is how national teams work. And I and, and, and so I my, that's my guess. That's my guess that that he's he's He wants to get the guys used to what an environment in a national team camp is like, um, in terms of who plays, who doesn't, who 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 earns time, um, you know, playing to a team's strengths, finding a finding a, a a formation and some partnerships and some patterns that work. So whether he's the coach going forward or it's someone else, they've at least had that experience. so that's that's my shot in the dark about what he's doing. Um, it would have been fun to see more of Tim Wea, of course, and some of the other guys, but I, 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 I think I get what he's getting at. And, and yeah, there were some, there were some good stuff. I mean, in the, you know, in the middle and defensive thirds of the field, they were quite good last night. And, and I can't believe that was last night, my God. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there were some good passes between the lines by, by Will Trapp and, and Nagby and obviously Mark Marky Delgado, uh, to set up, uh, um, Tyler Adams, and then eventually became the penalty kick for Bobby Wood. Um, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Matt Miazga looked quite strong in the middle. Um, there was one, Miazga and, and Zach Steffen had a misplay in the second half that led to a good Paraguayan chance. But other than that, they didn't really put much of a foot wrong. Jorge Villafaña, not a young guy, had a very strong game on the left. So there were some pieces there to build on going forward. And, and some under, now that they've played the same formation in all three games – there's there's starting to be a little bit of understanding and a little bit of comfort for some of these guys. Tyler Adams, of course, being the best example. Um, and so it's something to build on, something small, but something to build on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be looking forward to an extent to these friendlies in June, especially probably getting Christian Polisic back with the team. Um, you know, it'll be even tougher, I think, seeing the excitement growing for the World Cup and seeing a US team play that won't be going to Russia, but uh, that's all part of the deal right now. I would have liked to see Tim Weah play more than five minutes, um, but here's a guy who is promising and clearly wants to play for the United States, and he has options elsewhere, so that's a good sign. And my sense is that Dave Sarikin runs a pretty good uh, training session in the day-to-day during this camp, which was actually quite long. Uh, probably was pretty good for these guys to get used to working together and playing more with each other. Um, so I wanted to move on to your time with Mexico last week. Tim way real
0: quick, Tim way yeah. to talk to a fun quote. Um, he's a personality. Um, so on that level, uh, it was, it was cool to meet him and kind of get a sense of, he, he is going to be exciting. He is going to be, he's going to inject something, uh, you know, when he, when he becomes more of a regular Um, and I I thought that was cool so anyway go ahead
1: yeah I wanted to ask about your time out in the Bay Area with Mexico Uh, you and I are both doing magazine stuff pre-World Cup on various things you're working with Mexico I'm uh, in the US I'm doing some stuff with uh, Iceland which was here in the New York area Uh, but you hadn't spent that much time around the Mexican national team behind the scenes until this past week and I was wondering how that was
0: yeah man it's uh I mean, they've always been the. This is an interesting metaphorical exercise, and 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 I'm sort of speaking obviously off the cuff now, so I'll try to say this the right way. But but Mexico, for me as well, has always kind of been the other. You know, it, when I was a kid growing up as a fan, they were the enemy. The you know the, those games in the '90s um, were rough and tumble and brutal, and 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 you know we were the usurper and the upstart, and they were the established power who wanted to. You know, keep us at bay, and then you know those old enough to remember those games. They were tough, um, and there was a lot at stake in those. And so, um, to to see the, the the rival evolve to where it has now, where it's it's much more, it's much more brother against brother. It's much more familiar. The players know each other so much better. Both countries, the Mexican players now go abroad. You know, they 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 they, they they're not so insular. Um, U.S. players, uh, I think, have more of an appreciation. Um, for the, the mexican players it, it, it there's a there's a strange kind of cousinhood or brotherhood that exists um between the, the players on the two teams and all of the intermixing and uh, you know and then and then on top of that, um the fact that they're going to the World cup and the u s is not highlights this idea that they are in in so many different ways a second home team in this country for tens of millions of people who have. And cultural and, and, and family connections to Mexico who have an affinity for Mexico. Um, so all of these things are sort of colliding at once. You know, the rivalry evolving, um, the, the walls sort of coming down uh, in several ways. Um, and, and, and then Mexico now, in a sense, being the team that's going to represent uh, this country as well at the World Cup in its own way. So trying to make sense of all of that as someone who sort of grew up with the rivalry in a different sort of light, it was really, really interesting. Um, so got to meet some of the players and meet some of the staff and, and feel again, feel those walls come down a little bit more. Um, it was, it was really cool. It's going to take a, it's going to take a, a few days to digest it all.
1: Well, the thing that stood out to me, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before is most of these Mexican stars these days are good guys. You know, they're easy to root for, uh, very personable, uh, good to talk to. Uh, I know you got to talk to Chicharita Hernandez out there. Uh, you got to spend some time with him and Carlos Vela and Chucky Lozano and, um, you know, and, and what's interesting to me also is I, I know you spent some time with Luis Hernandez, uh, the former Mexican star who was doing some work out there. And he was one of the great symbols of basically Mexican jackassery on the field. Uh, I'm sure Tony Sane can tell you a few things about that. Um, but even he was fun to talk to, wasn't he?
0: he but but he was also in, in like an incredible curmudgeon, which was amazing. <laughs> like we, we he so the Luis Hernandez story. Part of what I was looking at was just kind of the popularity in Mexico and the way you know they, they have so many um you know they have so many marketing deals. I mean they play five a minimum, I believe, of five friendlies in the U.S. And so just the fact that a foreign national team plays home games on U.S. soil. By itself, I mean, if you step back and think about it, it's kind of incredible. Um, The fact that they draw such impressive, massive crowds time after time. And then they've got, you know, they have American companies, including MLS and Soccer United Marketing, that are that have partnerships with them and and that are, you know, trying to connect to to a significant portion of this country uh, via the Mexican national team, which is kind of one thing that many people with Latino heritage and Mexican heritage can agree on so um th- learning all that was cool even scratching the surface of all that was cool um and so yeah wells fargo the bank uh <laughs> is one of these companies that's doing this and yeah they had luis Fernandez out at like a like a random branch um <laughs> in the burbs i guess it's san jose's all suburbs but you know like like outside of downtown san jose like in a strip mall he's signing autographs and so i figured i'd go out there and see how many people showed up and yeah there was you know couple hundred people who, who, who lined up for, for photos and autographs from Hernandez. And then I actually got a ride back with him back to his hotel. So I had like, had him trapped for like a solid 20 minutes in the car. And a lot of it was like these kids these days. And it was, it it was, (laughs) it was, it was awesome. Um, and he sort of acknowledged, yeah, that, that, that the, the feelings between, um, you know, guys like him and Hermosillo and Suarez and Zague and, and then guys like Santa and Kobe and Alexi, like it's just a different, it's a different time now. Um, he, he he was a little frustrated that so many Mexican play. I said, well, isn't it good that a lot of the Mexican players are now playing abroad? I mean, you guys all used to stay home, you know, and 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 so now you're you're going abroad. You're 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 just becoming, I don't know what the word is. Just we're more, more worldly, more cosmopolitan, right? It's just a different culture now. It's the same we want for our guys. And he's, he he lamented the fact that so many Mexicans go abroad before they win championships. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't leave Liga MX without winning it first. This is wrong. I was like, you you're a hard ass. <laughs> <laughs> but he was very nice, and and um and you know he 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 spoke in Spanish, so I tried to pick up what I could. I I would ask questions in English, and he tried to pick up what he could. Um, and it was just a, a very cool experience, and and to see the enthusiasm of. The people waiting to meet him, many of whom were kids. I mean, there was a there was a, a face paint lady there and a balloon animal guy there. I mean, I mean, there were there were eight year olds waiting in line wearing Mexico jerseys, excited to meet a guy they've never seen play live, and and that um, just speaks to the power of this team and the way it's kind of handed down through now multiple generations of people uh, with Mexican heritage who live in this country. Many of whom are Americans. I mean, you walk through you walk through the parking lot outside Levi Stadium before this game and and you're hearing English and American accent right. and I know that I shouldn't say that in a way that's like oh my god shocker but it you it it again it's one more little thing that makes you think about the fact that this is this is our other home team it really is and and you know Luis said you know America USA is part of Latin America and then it's just the way this it, the way it is now
1: yeah it's totally true i mean i also remember there were some other guys who the American fan base, the U.S. fan base, viewed as villains back in the day. Like, Osvaldo Sanchez probably was viewed as one of the dirtiest players on the Mexico team in games toward the U.S. And when I sat down with him a few years ago, just a wonderful guy. And, you know, it was it was interesting to sort of get that view yeah. of players who were viewed in this very sort of uh, villain role over the years and you know what he's not actually a villain um not too much time left here so i want to move on zlatan ibrahimovic since our last podcast together has signed with the la galaxy and we'll be joining the team soon here perhaps even in time for the la lafc game uh which is this saturday on big fox at i think it's like 3 p.m eastern um Ibrahimovic is coming on a TAM deal, not a designated player deal. Um, his knee may or may not be in good shape. We don't know. Uh, how are you feeling about? It?
0: Um, I again, I haven't digested it fully because I was I was hanging out with uh, with Mexicans and, and young American players, and uh, oh, and I also I was I was essentially two people down from Miguel Almirón in the, in the security line this morning at Raleigh airport. Um, he did not have like pre-check or anything. I was just surprised by that. Anyway. Um, he was on his own. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, it depends on, it depends on his knee. It depends on, I know what happened to, you know, I know what happens in your mid thirties. I know what happens to your body. You know, I mean, it's, you don't recover like you did stuff hurts in ways it didn't before. Um, you know, you just don't have the same explosiveness and elasticity. It can go quickly. And so, you know, he's got a wonderful personality. He's fun. He's quotable. Um, he's got that whole, you know, like lion cliche thing going on. That's everyone loves that. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I credit the galaxy. I don't know what, what kind of marketing deals have been arranged and who knows what kind of compensation is happening outside of the, you know, the MLS um, kind of structure. Um, but uh, you know, good for them for not blowing the bank on a, on a guy who's who's uh, you know on in his late mid to late 30s and who's coming off a serious injury. So we'll see.
1: I guess here's my question: Is the promotional aspect was pretty over the top, as you w- might expect, buying a full page ad in the LA Times to announce Ibrahimovic's arrival? Uh, there's a billboard. With Ibrahimovic out in LA right now, I think multiple billboards. Um, I guess my question is: Is it possible that they would not have done this much promotion if they, the Galaxy and Ibrahimovic, were concerned, really concerned about his knee?
0: I don't. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, maybe there was some pressure there to make a splash, you know, with uh, LAFC coming in and the start that they've had, and they've become sort of a really in, in, intriguing. Um, team that's playing good soccer and and um, you know maybe the Galaxy felt some pressure to take back some of the some of the headlines and some of the conversation. That's a good question. Um, you know they 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 the benefit of the doubt in the Galaxy is eroded a little bit, right? I mean, Steven Gerrard didn't work out. Um, the jury is very much out on Gio dos Santos, um, who who was not unfortunately in. Uh, both him, both Gio and Jonathan were out of the Mexico team for these games. Um, so, you know, they, they, not everything they touch turns to gold at this point. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe you would think they would be a little bit cautious, uh, considering that, but, um, at the same time, they've got a, a noisy neighbor now to deal with. Um, I mean, look, it'll be fun and I'm looking forward to the, to see what the atmosphere is on, on Saturday. Uh, regardless, I mean, this is the first of, of obviously what hopefully becomes a big rivalry between these two clubs and that can only really happen authentically over time. Um, but it'll it'll be a it'll be a fun thing to see and see other guys react to each other and respond and what the atmosphere is like. It'll be it'll be cool.
1: Yeah, I mean we had Bob Bradley on the podcast uh, earlier this week, and we talked a little bit about the L.A. L.A.F.C. game. If you haven't listened to this, I know you haven't had a chance yet, Brian. But any listener, listen to it. Bob is incapable of giving a bland interview at this point. And while we did talk a lot about L.A. FC. Uh, and what he's up to with that team, which is interesting. There was a lot of talk too about uh, his exile from U.S. soccer, what he thinks U.S. soccer should be doing, uh, and you know whether you know if you looked at his resume without his name on it, you would say this guy is you know a great candidate to be the next U.S. men's national team coach. And, and I asked him about that. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there, and uh, you know I think for for Bradley it would be huge to get yet another win uh, against the Galaxy on the road in a, in a sold-out stadium uh, on national television.
0: Did you get a chance to meet um, what, Hal Grimson? What's his name? The How do you say the coach of Iceland?
1: Uh, oh, uh, yes. Ha- uh, Hamer Halgrimson. Uh, Hal Grimson? I, spent, I spent time around Iceland earlier this week when they were here in the New York area. And I, I'm actually planning to go to Iceland. I want to go. This guy is a part-time dentist. I want to go yes. with him to his dentist's office uh, for the story I'm working on. I actually spent more time with players here. Unfortunately, Guilty Sigurdsson has been injured, wasn't with the team. But there's also several other guys uh, with the Iceland team who are starters, who've been key components of, of their amazing run over the last few years. Uh, eliminating England at Euro 2016, getting to the quarterfinals, uh, you know, well, qualifying you for their first World Cup.
0: You mentioned Bob and sort of how he he can't he can't not be an amazing interview at this point. And of course, we all remember what he was like as coach, where he was often not amazing. Uh, <laughs> and so, just the, the evolution there is kind of awesome. And so, it just made me think of of the Iceland coach because Mexico played Iceland in the game that I went to see in in, in Santa Clara. And my only interaction, I was there for Mexico and you were doing Iceland. So my only interaction with Iceland, if you can even call it that, was just watching him at the pre- postgame press conference. And he was just outstanding. I mean, yeah. he was just, yeah, just funny and, and, and insightful and, you know, gave banter back and forth and, you know, ha- had, had an obvious humility about the whole thing. And, and he just came, he just made a really good impression. So I was, but yes, you should go get your teeth worked on.
1: Uh, I may not get my teeth worked on, but I'm excited to see his dentist office. If that, I
0: wonder be. if he has. Do you think he's got like national team shit hanging around? Like, do you think you think like you're in the chair and you're looking at like pennants and team photos, or do you think you go and there's no sign at all that like a World Cup coach is about to give you a cleaning?
1: It makes you wonder, you know. So Report- I, I I will get to the bottom of the whole thing. Um, I just am excited about going to Iceland as well, but. Uh, and curious to see how a country of 330,000 won its UEFA qualifying group and got to the, its first World Cup at the same time that a country of 330 million failed to qualify from basically the easiest region in the world.
0: A couple summers ago, I went to Iceland a while back and went to a qualifier um, between Iceland and Ukraine. And Avi made me write up, you know, I hate writing first person stuff, but you know, when Iceland was on its run in Euros, he made me write up, like, what my experience was going to an Iceland game in, like, 1999. Um, so if anyone wants to Google that, um, that's out there as well. Um, but at the time, they were, they were entrenched in their sort of tininess and humility and never, I don't think, could have possibly imagined um, being where they are now. And, and it's just, uh, you know, this is the power of a, of a generation, right? I mean, we're seeing it in, in Belgium on a, on, a, on a bigger scale, right? You know, there are always going to be these these smaller countries that every now and then, you know, stumble on a group of players who who connect with each other, who've, who've had good coaches, um, who find their way through their club careers, um, and, and maybe mesh and maybe do something special. And to see it in a country that small um, and that unaccustomed to this kind of spotlight is is incredible. So enjoy your root canal. Thank
1: you very much. I'm looking forward to it. I actually asked a couple of the players if they knew Aaron Johansson who's Uh Icelandic-American, decided to play for the U.S., played in the 2014 World Cup. And they were like, yeah, he's a good guy. And uh, one of them said he's always going to be the first Icelandic person ever to play in a World Cup, which is true.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, so it is. So,
1: anyway. Never thought of that. Cool. um, That is it for this week's episode. Very good to talk to you, as always. Let's do it again next week.
0: Later. Later.
1: Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And check out the 30-Minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. Recent guests include Chris Klein, Colin Udo, John Sutcliffe, and Julie Ertz. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On
0: Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup
1: of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the
0: latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.